that's important for me, us to talk about my bangs and my bang journey. So as we all know, I got it is bangs a after I was fired from the federal government. And a natural uh, thing to do. <laughs> yeah. And just like the thing is that they're so high maintenance. So I have to like blow dry them with like a round brush every day. Well, that's the thing. Like everyone has different techniques for it. I've been watching a lot of hair tutorials on YouTube. Oh, have you? What are your, what are the good ones? Yeah. Uh, so I am big on curly hair tutorials. Oh, I have curly. Oh, hair. same. I'm I do curly girl method. To... I use the curly girl method. Do you plop? <laughs> I do plop. I have a microfiber towel. Do you want to see it? I have two. Oh my god. So right now this is like day two. So there's nothing in here. But I have like I get like two ringlets on each side, and the rest is like mm-hmm. sort of wavy. So I'm trying to just stop heat styling. Good for you. And except that I have curly hair. Anyway, so, stars and their birth. Well, this is great because A Star is Born has been made four times, right? <laughs> and this is the third time we're making this episode. On this on this movie, on this on the 1930s version of A Star is Born. The 1937 A Star is Born. <laughs> we So, do you think we'll have to do it a fourth time? The I, way Bradley Cooper did it and then I did really not get nominated not. for an Oscar for directing. Oh, <laughs> like I can't even get into it cuz like the first two times we recorded this, we were in a world where A Star is Born was going to win best picture. That's also true. <laughs> That's great. Like so much in the world has changed in the last 3 weeks where I kept fucking up this audio. I fucked up once, too, though. That's, yeah, no, that's true. It was, it was, was both of our faults one time. Yeah. So anyway, uh, this is the third time that we're watching A Star is Born, 1937. My name is Allison Raybar. Uh, and I'm Casey Schreiner. And this is What Did I Miss? So the sort of impetus for this mini series is that we are going to watch all four of Star is Borns. You had this incredible yeah. idea. Oh, thank you. I did. But that's only because I really loved the new one, or at least the first hour of the new one. Yeah. So the new one came out in like October. So yeah. three months ago. It feels like it's been out forever. It feels like it's the only movie it's ever It feels made. like I've lived eight years since October. Yes. and yes. It, But it also felt like A Star is Born was sort of the end of cinema because it was so good like why would you keep making movies you know well that's not we did my ho- okay uh, you that's determined. that's okay, i'm staking that it. out right now okay we did it i like the first hour is this gonna become a podcast about the newest star is born no that happens every time and i'm gonna get it back okay so i don't know how you're gonna get it back i don't agree with you but bradley cooper should have been nominated for best director He's a visionary. So the first reaction whenever it was like, when that first trailer dropped, was like, haven't they made that movie before? (laughs) (laughs) The answer is yes. (laughs) And no, but when I was, when I saw that trailer, every time I saw the trailer in theaters, people would say that to me. And I would say, no, it's it's the fourth one. Yes, they've made it before, but even more than you thought. Like, you know there were one or two A Star Is Borns. This is actually the fourth A Star Is Born. Usually people tend to guess two. They're like, oh, there have been two. They're like, Barbara Streisand, Judy Garland. And it's like, no, you're missing one big one. They have no idea. That it started, there wasn't even any music involved. It was about (laughs) acting. Wild. (laughs) Who would have (laughs) thought? So, Casey, tell me about the original A Star Is Born. 
The original Star is Born, made in 1937, right? Yeah. Stars Janet Gaynor as uh, Esther Blodgett, soon to be Vicky Lester after she's renamed. And uh, who's the guy? I forget the guy's name. Do you know the, the guy's name? The actor? The character's Norman Yeah, the Maine. actor. His Norman Maine, yeah. Friedrich March. Friedrich March plays Norman Maine, and there's a take on that name for, like, each He's always Maine. Like he's Maine. Yes, not like Maine is in the main man, because he's no longer the main man by the end of the film. So it's kind of just this idea that Esther wants to become this big movie star, uh, she moves out to Hollywood, meets Norman Maine, like, they get together, she becomes famous, he descends, because only one person in a relationship can As be famous and successful. As one star rises, another star falls. As women become successful, men must die. Men die. <laughs> so, that's essentially the large, long and short of it, I guess. I never yeah. know what that phrase means, but that's it. Yeah, I mean, it's not very long, there's not much plot. We say that about every movie. There's not. But there's yeah. not. Especially to this one, which is why it can be remade so many times and why you can, like, turn it into a movie about music. But this one's about acting, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, so this starts as a, a Hollywood story. I love it. I mean, this is one of those classic movies where Hollywood was like, isn't the most interesting thing in the world our job? The making of movies. <laughs> And then they're like, let's go on to show everyone how interesting it is with movies about it. It's so something that we we watched in intro film class was Singing in the Rain because it is both like a great musical movie. It teaches you a lot about the genre of musicals and it's like a Gene Kelly classic. Right. But also it's sort of a funny way to introduce young students to the silent film era moving into talkies. Yeah. And I feel like. This is so similar and that, like, there's a lot of scenes in this movie that take place on movie sets. And we see the set. Or there's a lot of scenes that take place in, like, a hair salon where someone's getting a makeover and turning into a new star. It's supposed to be this sort of, quote-unquote, behind-the-scenes look of movie making. Yeah, even though it is the movie. So it's kind of, like, envisioning everything you're seeing, like, all the lights and the set and, like, everyone putting makeup on everyone else. And then, like, you think behind that camera that's filming it and it's the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, looking into, like, a mirror with a mirror in back of you or whatever. And you're just like, oh, my God. Can't take this. And it's meant to make it feel more real, right? You're like, well, I see the set in this. I see what they're doing. And that means the stuff that doesn't have a set is genuine. Yeah. Do you ever think that when they do this, like... It actually costs less money because everything's just, like, almost already there. I th- <laughs> I would think that, but I remember once um, I worked at, like, a theater company when I was in high school because I was really insufferable and, like, I was talked my way into a, an internship. <laughs> but um, there was this play we did, and for the most part, it took place on a blank stage, but we had to build a blank stage for it. Oh. Because, like, the actual blank stage, there was, like, no set on it. It looked really bad. So, so no, I don't think it's cheaper. Okay, I'll I'll take your word for that based on your high school internship. Hey, it was a um, very prestigious theater company. Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> good for you. <laughs> um, so, this movie, I guess we would both agree, is primarily concerned with Hollywood loving itself and commenting on itself. Yes, which is yes. Hollywood's favorite thing to do. Which is honestly why it's sort of a shock that. A star, I guess A Star is Born is now about music, so it's kind of a shock. Not that much of a shock that uh, 2018 didn't get a nomination. That's because of Judy Garland, though. Yes, she could fair. sing. Yeah, so what we thought we would do is we talk about all four A Star is Born, so we would talk about the same book for all of them, which is a book called 
Stars. <laughs> By Richard Dreyer. Dyer? Dyer. Dyer. Yes. Thank you. And it uh, is about kind of... how stars are made. Allison, what's one way stars are made? Well, I would like to point out that we are saying made and not born. Well, no, because they're not born. Everything's they're not born. A manufa- everything's manufactured. Stars are not born. So, stars are two things, right? Yeah. What are the two things, Casey? Stars are vessels. Is that one? Kind of. They're an idea. They're, like, social and they're ideological. And industrial. And industrial. Oh, I forgot about industry. Industry is so important. So it's three things. Social, industrial, ideological. Yeah. So stars are But what are does like, that mean that they're not? They're not people. They're not people. They're not people. Stars aren't people. You heard it here first. So yeah. stars are made, like, literally in a production. Like, we dress up movie stars and put them on a screen. Which is, I think, one of the, the best montages in this film. Yeah, so you see Esther kind of, like, go through, like, it's kind of like you're in Oz in The Wizard of Oz. It's Where they're, like, like it's exactly, it reminded me of that similar. so much. Like, when they're, like, grooming up, like, uh, Dorothy to, like, chill in Oz. It's exactly like that, except they don't put a bunch of eyebrows on Dorothy. Like, they have to, like, change. And there's this, like, dark undertone to this montage where it's, well, like, it's like, oh, we're changing, woman- like, everything about you. Yeah, it's like they put a woman on a conveyor belt and on the other side came out like a hotter version of her, but also as like a slightly less interesting one. Do you know what it reminds me of? Do you remember what? those old jockey underwear commercials where like this no. couple would just be like in gray underwear and then they would be like, let's get off this conveyor belt to like go wear more comfortable <laughs> underwear. <laughs> oh, that's so upsetting. Um, yeah, no, but that's, that's really what it is. It's like, well, okay, you have like a basic body and maybe like an interesting vibe. Like she, you can sort of act, we think. We never see her act. But the studio but, executives say, okay, we're just going to take that like little bit of your personality and then we're going to give you an entirely new face and an entirely new name. And we're going to put you in a ton of movies and then people will love you. And it's not that she's not talented. There's, like, something there. And there's this oh, really yeah. great scene where she's, like, hired, as you do when you go to Hollywood and you don't have a gig. Um, <laughs> you, she waitresses and she's, like, tr- testing out all these different, like, impressions on people, taking hors d'oeuvres from her tray. Casey, there's I like have a, a really good like. You. Oh, what? Have you ever been to California? Yeah, I've been to California. Okay, I was just wondering. Sorry, go ahead. Why do you think I haven't been to California? I'm you going to California in, in two weeks. Okay, okay. Oh, right, we have a friend who lives there. Okay. I was there. I'm going there. I hate anyway. I, I don't hate it. It's warm. <laughs> it's terrible. But, but um, LA is terrible, yes. Yeah, but the uh, studios spend a lot of money making up these people. They come up with entirely new, like, backgrounds. Like, in the movie, you see... Her telling, like, some publicist her story of, like, how she came from, like, a cabin in, like, Nebraska, which in and of itself is, like, pretty impressive. But then he completely changes it to be, like, oh, like, woman of the prairie or something. She was, like, uh, a poor girl of a... T- it's sort of like We Both Preach for the Gun in Chicago, where she takes, like, oh, yeah, my parents are farmers, to, like, she was an orphan. Yeah. No, everyone's an orphan who... If you want someone to care about, you tell them you're an orphan. Gotta be an orphan. Lie about your parents being dead, like... It's bad karma, but you should do it to succeed, is what this movie tells you, partly. Yeah. Um, and, and Richard Dyer makes it clear that, like, 
he's not saying that stars aren't talented. He says, however much credence you give to such ideas will depend on how much you believe in, quote, great, unique individuals. As that does sound like, very saucy, I would say. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I think a lot of us would say, like, no, it's not necessarily true that, like, the biggest stars are the ones who are the best actors. There is, like, a right place, right time balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what we see with Esther. We see that she generally is very funny at that cater waiter gig she gets. But also, like, that's not what she happened to meet a guy at that gig who was a very famous actor in Norman Maine. Yeah. Um, and he's, like, immediately taken with her, but not necessarily because of her talent. Uh, I mean, are you saying yes, it was because of her I mean, talent? No, I'm just saying, like, we never see her act. We can't know. I mean, and that's kind of the biggest joke of this movie, actually, is that, like, you see all the prep up to, like, her screen test and then, like, action and you're cut away completely. <laughs> it's, it's so it's funny really to funny me. funny every time. It yeah, really so is. She... She meets Norman Maine at a party, and they they spend all night together, like, chatting and talking. He drops her off, and he asks, I just want to take another look at you. And then he bring they bring her in for a screen test at the studio. But, yes, we never see her act. We see them put a big costume on her and have all these smoke and lights, and then it cuts away. So. And, go ahead. So. Yeah, and what I like again about that scene that we actually haven't touched on in the last two times we've recorded this episode is I think it's interesting that the film chooses to like put her in like old timey garb for that it's screen like a test. Gone with the wind dress. It's yeah. she. She looks like she's at like fucking Tara. So yeah. it's it's just just this heightened idea of like what you're willing to put into just a screen test, like the extravagance mm-hmm. of Hollywood. Like, the, it, Hollywood is not ashamed of its extravagance in any way. Or, oh, apparently, no. and it'll even show you the behind the curtains, like, it's we're lying to you. Yeah, it's aspirational. Not that you want to live on a plantation, necessarily. You shouldn't want to. Hot take. <laughs> um, but. You know what I think about once a month? What do you think about once a month? Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds getting married on a plantation. Anyway. Wait, are they on a plantation? They got married on one. Wait, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, just something to think about. Anyway. Um, no, but it's, it's, a, it's this very quite a romantic bomb. idea. It's this very big, like, you're going to go to a very big glitzy party. You're going to have this huge costume put on at this big set with smoke and lights. And so yeah. that kind of, like, allows you as, like, the 1930s viewer to be like, oh, I want that. Mm-hmm. And not necessarily, like, who's she? Yeah, so the first half of this movie is about this this production of a star like she she comes to hollywood she gets discovered she's made up into this new person they give her a new name her name's vicky lester which i will say is also a bad name and no matter how many times you say it which they do in the movie quite a lot i don't think it gets any better vicky lester i think vicky's kind of fun i think lester is fine too it's just together it's weird one of them sounds like a a syllable long like an adams family character yeah. Does well, that make it's sense? Just, it's weird that they're both two syllables. Vicky, Lester. I mean, a lot of names are like that. Casey, Schreiner. I just, I think, it, I think it's a weird balance. Um, okay. So the okay. next half of the movie, uh, and the other half of the star phenomenon that Richard Dyer talks about is the consumption of a star. Yes. 
So another thing this movie does, which is hysterical to me, is when you finally see, like, Vicky Lester unleashed to an unwitting test crowd, the only way you can tell that people like her is, like, the camera, the shots are just, like, of people walking out being like, that Vicky Lester, I love her. It's She's very- a new star of the moving picture. Like, it's, it's the, so funny. The most on-the-nose scene. Um, yeah, so we, again, we, she makes a movie with Norman Maine, like, he's the big star, and they put her in one of his movies, and, and then we don't see anything from the movie, we see, like, maybe a scene, and then everyone walks out, and is like, that's the best movie ever made. We love that Vicky Lester. <laughs> we love her so much, I'll go see anything she's in. And then they're like, what about that other guy, Norman Maine? Don't care about him. Literally, if someone said that, I wouldn't have been surprised. That's, I'm sure, an exact line of dialogue from the script. Yeah. And so that, that kind of, like, of... Does that, that begs the question for me. Like, I feel like in, I mean, I've seen all the movies. I've seen all the movies, just not in a long time. But the thing you never really understand is, like, Besides his rampant alcoholism, which might not necessarily translate to screen, what is so wrong with this other person? Why yeah. do they have to die? So as Norman Maine, or as um, the woman star goes up, her name is different in everyone, she becomes more and more popular, and the response is always that he is getting less popular. So as she starts to go up and she peaks, he starts crashing down. So in this movie, it's represented by... She's in a lot of his movies, but she is much more popular with audiences that at literally one point they take his name off a poster and just put hers over it. It used to say like Norman Maine with Vicky Lester and then they show you a guy just putting big Vicky Lester letters over the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. And he stops getting fan mail where she's getting like fan mail by the truckloads. Yeah. And I don't know what it is. I guess. I mean, there's a finite amount of attention in the world, right? I mean, I, you would argue that is somewhat different now, but yes. Yeah, well, I mean, you used to have to, like, write fan letters, like, by hand and put stamps on them. You're You've not written a fan to... letter, I bet. Who have you written fan letters to? I don't want to talk about it. Oh, who is it? The The cast of the first national tour of Spring Awakening. That's fair. That's fine. Yeah. You had an autograph book, too, didn't you? I bet you did. No, I had, like, a Disney autograph book. My um, my oh, grandmother actually gave me her old Hollywood um, postcard and autograph book because she used to write fan letters and stars would send back autographed headshots. So I have That's a lot cute. of like personalized like "Hello Pat, love Danny Kay." Okay, That's or, cool. Or like "Love Jean Kelly." That's chill. Love. There's a lot of people. And so that's what, like, that sort of fan relationship is what's being shown in this movie of writing in fan letters and getting pictures back and, like, going to the movies every night to see this star. And Norman Maine just isn't a person that people are responding to anymore. Why do you think people stop responding to someone? Is it because someone new comes up or is it usually a fault of their own? I think it's definitely or of Or of the, not necessarily of their own or of, like, the... the the team behind them. I think that is what every subsequent A Star is Born tries to answer, where I feel like in this one, the excuse is just like, he's getting a little older and people don't think he's interesting. Like, they just don't think his movies are good. And there's also the moral thing of like, oh, he's an alcoholic. Maybe he doesn't deserve it. But that does not seem to be a problem in this movie in that like, everyone, like everyone drinks a lot and he doesn't like, (laughs) 
he embarrasses her at the Oscars. The the big like huge turning point scene is this like she gets the Oscar, she gets the Grammy, and he embarrasses her. Well, maybe then it's not that like it's a like weird Christian or like moral thing of like oh you drink a lot you don't deserve it, but maybe it's a you you show it like you yeah. show the effort like we're showing you the effort. But if the star shows you the effort, that's a different story. Like, if Hollywood chooses to show you, it's okay. Like, in this movie. Yeah. If the star shows you that effort. And I'm speaking specifically in this time. Now we live in a time where, like, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is, like, showing people how she grills a cheese while she talks about stuff on Instagram. Like, that's a whole other story. What was that? I said God bless her. God bless her, indeed. Um... But back then, and I think in some ways still now, like, that's the thing. You can't let it show as the star. Yeah, so the way that Richard Dyer puts it is, is that um, star's image is the investment that the studio is making. So they will, you know, like, they will <laughs> change your name and change your hair and they will give you new eyebrows and they will do all this work for you because you're a product they're selling. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And the product shouldn't have a mind of its own. And if the product is getting drunk at the Oscars and embarrassing their wife, it's no longer a good product. Like, you're not going to keep investing in that product. Yeah. And we see and the- that early on in the movie where their marriage is seen as something they have, like, the press agent for the studio is, like, a big character in this. And every yeah. time they do something, he's like, I have to call the papers. <laughs> and he has, like, a feather in his cap. And you're like, I've never seen anything <laughs> like, so cliche. There's always a newspaper man standing off to the side, like, taking notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, the, like Norman Maine's image is falling, and that means that he no longer has an identity. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I'm just after talking about this so much, like I am now just considering the fallibility of the 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 person as product. What do you to mean? some extent? Like um. When we're talking, when you talk about, like, consumption or capitalism or, like, making a product to either be, like, aspirational, like, a lot of times this makes you think about the product itself very concretely, but it's harder to do that when that thing is so malleable, like a person. Like, it's the only thing that you can't control fully, for the most part. Well, I mean, we talk about, like, quote-unquote brands now. Like, oh, this is my brand. This is yeah. someone's brand. Like, AOC It used to be a joke, and now it's not. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's not at all. But also, that was what it was like. Like, we see in yeah. this movie that Vicky Lester has a brand. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah, we see this in every subsequent A Star is Born. is this idea of, like, this sort of small-town girl who's just getting, like, plucked out of obscurity is suddenly given this identity, and she really struggles with it. And we see Norman Maine losing his identity. And it makes his entire life fall apart. Yeah. So what does it mean to, like, lose your identity when your identity is, like, in that product? Like, you have to die? Yeah, like, I mean, it's kind You of can't find job. a way out of it, yeah. <laughs> like, so you can't go back to being a normal person and, like, cook for your wife like he tries to do. Yeah, it's interesting, because I mean, I... now it... I'm feeling like the, there's a thesis there of, like, you can't come back from this. Yeah, I mean, I think it is not untrue that, like, if Hollywood builds up an entire image for you and your career and your life is built around a persona, it is probably very hard when that persona is taken away. And there's something to be said about, like, yeah, like, capitalism turns us all into products, right? And we are only useful in as far as we can market ourselves. Yeah. It's just interesting, like, 
finding that line and seeing how blurry, if existent, it is. Well, and that's something I want to track through all of Star is Borns because I think that changes a lot. Like, he is always an alcoholic of some sort. The main, yeah. Mr. Main, his yeah. first name changes a lot. And he always dies. But there's something, the way that he's portrayed, I feel like, has changed so much in these new eras. Yeah. Whereas in this first one, he's just, like, a drunk. And it's not great, but he goes to work. People just don't like him. Whereas, like, the Bradley Cooper one is really kind of a story about addiction because of Bradley Cooper's personal experiences with addiction. Yeah. And also because he adds a lot more, like, story to the thing, to the characters themselves. Yeah, we don't really know that much about Norman Maine, and we really don't know that much about um, Vicky Lester slash Esther Blodgett's family. Like, they're seen as an obstacle where she leaves them and then she goes to Hollywood. There's not this sort of push-and-pull relationship. All we see is the image the movie is creating for her. Yeah. Hmm. So can I give my customary little history lecture about the studio system? I would love you to do that. Wait, wait, wait. We need to go through our spiel where I try to name all the production companies. Yes. Which I might not even be able to do. We'll see. So this movie is set in the studio system of Hollywood in the 1930s. The first two of Stars Borns are about movie stars. The second two are about, like, musicians, rock stars, if you will. I would say the second one is verging on music. It's it's very a Judy Garland, like, musical movie star. Yeah. Person. She still wins an Oscar, so I feel like that is solidly a movie star, whereas in the next two, it's Grammys. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So, I think it's important, like, as we, like, go through these changes to kind of understand the star production that's involved in this. Mm-hmm. So... This is a movie about the studio system. In the 1930s and 40s, Hollywood was very different in that everything was run by studios. And Casey, what were the big five studios? Okay, I can do this. RKO. Oldie doesn't exist anymore. Uh, Paramount. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer. I love it. Universal, no. Mm-mm. No you Universal yet. I always... I, I don't know why. Not United Artists. Warner Brothers. Yes. Yeah, one that more. was around then. Fuck, what's this last one? I already said RKO. Oh, Allison's making symbols at me. Two, zero... 20th Century Fox! So, okay. the big five studios, yes, you, you nailed it. Paramount, MGM, Warner Brothers, 20th Century Fox, RKO. RKO, unfortunately, doesn't exist anymore. I mean, unfortunately, whatever, who cares? I mean, yeah. Um, <laughs> these movie studios were all founded by pretty much rich men. The Warner Brothers studio was founded by the Warner Brothers. Metro uh, Goldman Meyer was founded by Louis Meyer. Um, Daryl Zanuck ran 20th Century Fox. They all owned movie theaters, and they are like, what if we just start making these movie things? <laughs> Fuller and money on both sides. <laughs> I think that's called vertical integration. <laughs> it's like, it's called vertical integration. I could talk about the antitrust angle. So yeah, they were like, well, we we sell tickets to these movies. What if we just also made the movies so we made all the money? So they started doing Duh. that. And the way that movie theaters were set up is that Paramount owned a studio, and all the actors and electricians and plumbers and costumers worked for Paramount for a yearly salary. And then Paramount movie theaters would play Paramount movies. Right? So everyone worked under contract at this time. 
So if you worked for Paramount, you worked for Paramount. You weren't going to go make a WB movie. You weren't going to go make a 20th Century Fox movie. And you might not make any movies at all if they don't want to. Like, you're getting paid a million dollars a year or whatever. No like matter what. it was in the 1930s. What did they make? Yeah, $10? I don't think it was like a million. Yeah, it was probably like more like 12, 20, 30. I don't know. Whatever. And I, I'm, I'm no clue. They made some sort of yearly salary. And you sometimes they would put you in movies and sometimes they wouldn't. Uh, sometimes you would have a dancer contract. Sometimes you would be like a star contract. Not but a the, gig economy. One it's would not say. a gig economy, and the studio had all the power. So that's why in A Star Is Born, when Vicky Lester gets to sign a contract saying that she works for what does she work for? Like some fake studio in this movie? I don't remember. Oh, I don't remember either. <laughs> but she she signs a studio contract, and it's like you have a yearly salary now. No, it's They're MGM, I think, because they talk movies. about. Meyer in it right I don't know because David Selznick made the movie so I don't know like who uh, where she works in it okay yeah whatever anyway you know, yeah yeah so that's like that is it's not like getting a movie and like oh I hope I get another movie after this like they're signing you to a contract and you're gonna be in three or four movies because they're gonna yeah. try and make you a movie star because they've invested in you with this yearly salary um, like many employer-employee relationships, has kind of screwed over actors. Um, so there's, if studios didn't like you or if you suddenly became unpopular like Norman Maine, they might try and break your contract or they might just stop putting you in movies because it's too expensive and they're not going to waste the money on you. Yeah. Uh, there's some interesting lawsuits with Rita Hayworth and um, Betty Davis where they tried to get out of their contracts and failed. And they had these really poisonous relationships with their studios. Uh, Betty Davis fled to Canada to avoid being sued for like breach of contract and failed. Um, so this this movie and we are kind of talking about this is all about the production of a star, and it was also made during the studio time, where stars were really put on a production belt and thrown out there. Yeah. So like Janet Gaynor was discovered, the person who plays Esther Blodgett slash Vicky Lester. Like, she was signed to 20th Century Fox as a silent film actress. And she had yeah. this persona. Like, she was this good girl. She, like, won an Oscar for Seventh Heaven. And she... And then they, they started transitioning her to sound movies. They made her the star of this, and she won the Oscar for it. Like, this is made in the same studio system they're portraying at the time. Yeah. And it's important that we kind of... I'm happy you're talking about this, because I think in every single movie, you kind of want to, like, contextualize how and why the star is born and the star dies. And this is like a very rigid economic, social, ideological system. Yeah, and I think that like when you talk about the plot of A Star is Born with your friends, you talk about like, oh yeah, they fall in love, and that, but then she becomes much more famous and he dies. I, that's but, always been so secondary to me in my mind. It's so much more about the production relationship with like yeah. the, either the movie studio or the music studio is yeah. always really the protagonist to their relationship. Yeah. Or the antagonist. Yeah. Actually, I mean, depending on if you like the couple or not, could be the protagonist. Yeah. Unclear. <laughs> Breaking them up. Right. Um, <laughs> because in this one, it's like, yeah, they want to go like have a camping honeymoon. And the studio is like, no, we have to photograph it and announce that you're married. And they want to yeah. hang out more and, like, go to rehab, but the studio is making them be in movies, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or the studio is making, like, dividing them. Like, Yeah, uh, the, the studio is making her a star and totally throwing Norman under yeah. the bus. And at the same time, it also, like, manufactures their, like, love or something like that. Because, I mean, 
I'm only really thinking of the newest one and this one when I think about it, but there is, like, a... They don't ever seem to have so much a sexual or, like, romantic connection as they do, like, an artistic one. <laughs> when they kiss... When Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga kiss in that movie, I'm like, this is a bridge too far. <laughs> <laughs> they can You're like, together. I can't take it. And you think this movie is the best. So... But yeah, I think there's there's much more of this economic relationship where this like quote unquote system is taking in these people and chewing them up and getting all the content they can get out of them and then just totally abandoning them as soon as they've been consumed enough by audiences. And that's because of capitalism. Yeah. Oh my god, it just all comes back to that. It is. Ugh. How are we going to get away I just, from it? I'm starting to have doubts about this capitalism thing. Starting? <laughs> <laughs> so we've talked about how stars are, like, born and manufactured, rather, in this first one. And I think then, so our next two chapters in Richard Dyer are sort of about stars as an ideological and social phenomenon. And I think that's mm-hmm. going to be very interesting as we go into the... The Judy Garland and the Barbra Streisand, which are probably the most iconic of Star is Borns. Yeah, and then you also have more, like, robust off-screen uh, kind of relationships to those people, I would say. Yes. Not that well, Janet Gaynor is not famous or anything like that, but Judy Garland is obviously, like, a force and a legend. Yes. And at a very pivotal point in her career when that movie Though comes up. she did not win the Oscar for that role in a very sad moment. Which is fucked. Janet Gaynor did win the Oscar for this. We'll see if Lady Gaga wins the Oscar for hers. She's not going to win the Oscar for hers, which is she sad. Could, she she could tie with Glenn Close. Glenn Close can kill my dogs, is what I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I love yeah. her. But yeah, I think that as as we go on in these movies, the stars in them, like the women that are playing the stars, only get more wildly famous. Yeah. But that's and also so because as time goes on, the ask of stardom in the world is wildly more ridiculous oh yeah yeah so you know we have this studio system that like takes women and like makes them into stars but as we and we see that happen on screen and a lot of us especially watching in 2018 2019 now whoops um, we um we don't have that relationship with janet gainer so she's not a star to us so she really is sort of this blank slate that's being created and i think that as we as we go on to like Judy Garland and Barbara Streisand and certainly Lady Gaga right now, watching like actual stars go through that process, yeah, adds a lot more to the consumption angle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, um, I'm excited to think about that as the industry, movie industry progresses, and we can talk about definitely like the state of the studio system when this 1950s version comes out because it's a whole nother ball game. Yeah. Yeah, and and the power differential really moves. Like as yeah. in the nineteen fifties, you know, the studio system is waning, and then in the nineteen seventies, when Barbara Streisand, that doesn't exist anymore. The studio system, and is it's gone. also music. Oh yeah, LOL. and like it's she's a musician. And a Don't know anything about music. <laughs> I'm gonna get there and be like googling what the Grammys are. I'd be like, what's a guitar? <laughs> <laughs> Who is Chris Christopherson? Weird. It'll name. be a fun time. Yeah, it will be. I just, I do, I love A Star Is Born. We've recorded this podcast three times. I've seen so many A Stars Is Born, A Stars Are Born in my life. A Stars Is Borns. A Stars Is Born <laughs> is the proper term. Oh, okay. And I just, Thank I love you. them. I like them too. I like thinking about it. It's fun to think about. Yeah. 
I hope people enjoy listening to us uh, riff on this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Three <laughs> more episodes. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's because, like, I the whole plan was to time this out for Lady so, Gaga wow. winning an Oscar. And she's... She, this movie is getting fucking steamrolled. I'm so <laughs> mad. Have you seen Green Book? We should keep this in, all this talk, because... Oh, this is going to be the bumper. I fucking um, watched... Fuck Green Book? 30 minutes of that racist shit, and I was like, get me out of here. I'm... I'm livid. I, I can't even describe how mad I am. If Alfonso Cuaron doesn't clean up to make up for all this bullshit, I will th- throw down. I'm mad. It's like it's like the Argo thing, except A Star Is Born's a good movie and Bradley Cooper's a good person. You and I like. I think Ben Ra- Affleck got snubbed for Argo. Ben Affleck is he dead yet? Like I don't care about him. <laughs> That's the note we're gonna end on. Okay, I'm gonna stop recording. <laughs> okay. Bye.